Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Talk shoes. Recorded live. Now David got the answer for it. God passed judgment upon David for what he did. He told that the child that the woman is carrying for him shall surely die. The sword would not leave his house. And he was going to allow people to lie with his wives in the midst of the sun, which means that in the open, what he did in secret, God said, look, I'm going to bring open shame to you. And so now, in chapter 13, as we open it up, turmoil is about to hit David's house. God told him that the sword would not leave his house, and he was going to rise his children. His children will rise up against him. Nathan, the prophet, had came to David to tell him about his sin. He told him to say, he told him about how the rich man had all his sheep, but the poor man only had one, and it was raised up in the house with him as as one of his own daughters. Raised up in the house with him as one of his own daughters. Now, look what's going to happen to David's daughter. <laughs> Let us go into our lesson for tonight. Second Samuel chapter 13. Those of you who have been following the, the Bible study, now you're going to see what God said. It shall surely come to pass. Now, Nobody knows the mind of God and what God is doing. But God do things to try and teach us patience how to wait on him. But sometimes, you know, to me, you know, you know, I, I, I like to be real about this. Seems like when you do right and do good, seems like the, the righteousness and the goodness takes a long time to come back. But seems like when you do something wrong, boy, that thing sure come back sometimes. And it don't, and it comes back in full fold. Second Samuel chapter 13, we begin reading in verse 1. And it came to pass after this. After what? After what happened in chapter 12, where the baby died, and God had pronounced judgment upon him. And it came to pass after this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemad, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtile man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? 
and am not saying unto him, I love Tamar, my brother's Absalom's sister. Jonathan said unto him, Lay me down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, and give me meat, and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it, and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down, and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come, and make me a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house, and dress the meats. So Tamar went to her brother's house, to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out, every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thy hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them unto the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, she took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou despise. And I, whether shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. And Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her, was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. And she said unto him, There is no cause. This evil in sending me, this evil in sending me away is greater than the other that thou hast did unto me. But he would not hawk unto her. Then he called his servant, minister unto him, and said, Put now this woman out from me, and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, for with such robe were the king's daughters that were virgins apparel. Then his servants brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of diverse colors that was on her, and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Had Amnon, thy brother, been with thee? Behold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not his thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when the king David heard of all these things, he was very wroth. And Absalom spoke, spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. But Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers in Belhazor, 
which is beside Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant had sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servant go with thy servant. And the king said to Absalom, Nay, my son, let us not all now go, lest we be chargeable unto thee. And he pressed him, Howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, If not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, Why should he go with thee? Absalom pressed him, that he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Mock ye now, when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say unto you, Smite Amnon, then kill him, fear not. Have not I commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. And the servant of Absalom did unto Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and every man got him up unto his mule and fled. And it came to pass while they were in the way that Titus came to David, saying, Absalom had slain all the king's sons, and there is not one of them left. Then the king arose and tore his garment and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. And Jonadab, the son of Shema, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons. For Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, his this had been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now, therefore, let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead. For Amnon only is dead. But Absalom fled, and the young man that kept the watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there came much people by the way of the hillside behind him. And Jonadab said unto the king, Behold, the king's sons come. As thy servant said, so it is. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of speaking, that, behold, the king's sons came, and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very sore. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amalud, king of Gesher. And David mourned for his son every day. So Absalom fled and went to Gesher and was there three years. And the soul of King David known to go forth unto Absalom, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. We read Second Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 to verse 39. May the Lord have a blessing on the reading here and do of his holy word. As we spoke in the lesson on last week, I asked the question, is the pleasure worth the pain? Is the pleasure worth the problem that it brings? All that God had judged David by and pronounced judgment upon him with is coming to pass. Now, as we read these chapters, we don't know if it was a week, a month, or how long it was. When all of this began to take place in David's life, but we know that the Bible said whatever man saw it, Actually, also reap. Now, whatever you planted, sooner or later it's going to come up. Some things come up much faster than others. It depends on what you planted. 
David planted deceit and death. It's coming back up fast. And if you look at our society, that's all you hear today. Deceit and somebody's killing the one who didn't been who didn't deceive them. I read in the paper just last month or whatever it was, a nineteen year old kid waited for a, a young man that he knew all of his life and shot him down dead on his way going to school over a, a, a remote control for a game, something that cost him only $40. Killed him dead. So when you deceive somebody out of something and try to get by with it, there's no telling what the person who's been deceived going to do. So we got to be careful what we plan. Because you may not like what come up. He told him that the child that Bathsheba was pregnant with for him, out of deceit, would surely die. He allowed Bathsheba to carry his child full term, nine months. And the Bible said that God struck the child, and he took very sick. Now, the child had to suffer. If he was very sick, that's suffering. David had to watch this child suffer. He fasted and he prayed. He laid before God that God would be merciful on the child. But the Bible says the sins of the father will come up on the children to the third and fourth generation. That's what he said. Before one child until my word passed, fall to the ground, heaven and earth shall pass away. God's word don't come to pass. Sometimes we act like we forget what God has already said to us or warned us about, and we go out there and do things anyway, and we won't pray, we won't repent and all of this, but guess what? You didn't already planted a seed. You're praying and repenting and telling God you're sorry. God forgive you. That don't say that judgment won't come out. Now, what he did to Asheba's uh, husband, Uriah the Hittite, what he did to him, and took his wife, and it was explained to David as she was a daughter in the bosom of her father, now his own daughter, his own daughter, is being raped by her brother and David's son. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of stress. Now, when he had peace in, the, in his palace, and it was time for the king to go out to walk, he, he was bored. He was bored. He was walking up and down until he found a, a naked woman laying out there on her rooftop Watching herself, he was bored. So God said, "Okay, you know, you don't like the peace that I gave you. You bored? I'm gonna give you something to work on and something to worry about." So look at the turmoil that's in here, his house, and it's not from people from the outside. This is turmoil that's happening on the inside. Something that you can't ignore. See, sometimes when things happen on the outside, sometimes you, you can ignore it like it didn't happen or, or 
or you can ignore the person who's trying to come out against you, but this is happening in his house. He can't ignore this. He can't get past this. Look what verse 1 says in chapter 13. And it came to pass after this. After the child died. After David repented. After he buried the child and went out the wall and do what he should have done in the first place. He said, after this, after he done all of this. Now he repented, but but what God is saying, it's, it's already in motion. He can't He can't call it back. <clears throat> because he placed his word on it. That Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister. <clears throat> now this this comes from 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 his lust. All these different wives that have had children for him. And just like it happened here just in our society, when we go out and live with this woman and live with that woman and we and this one got children and that one got children for, for, for you and and, and when they do come together, one is jealous of something over the other, and they don't call themselves brothers and sisters. They don't call themselves brothers. They don't feel the believe that they that they that they are that close because they might have came from the father, but they got different mothers. And so, what it bring? It bring hostility and jealousy and envy. That they don't really have. The, the genuine love or concern for one another that they should have. But who did this? We the ones put that ball into motion. By going out there, laying with this one, that one, and the other one, the sins of the father were passed upon the children to the third and fourth generation. And you hear people in the church holler about it's a, it's a generational curse. It ain't no curse. It's something that God didn't judge. That's God's word coming to pass. And you're talking about we got to pray that this generation of curse <clears throat> be lifted up off our family. But baby, your daddy, your grandpa, they did this. They started this ball into motion. You and I, we did this. We started this ball into motion. And guess what? Now we got to live with it and watch it all unfold before our very eyes. Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David. Now, didn't he say the brother of Absalom, the son of David, loved her. He loved her. He looked at her like he looked at any other girl that was out on the street. Any other girl. Now, this is his own sister. Would have been, would, would have been, what was going on had been already. Because there's nothing new under the sun. And so when you hear people hearing or saying or talking about something, oh, that's so low down. But guess what? It ain't nothing new. This has been going on for some time now. And that same spirit is still on the land. That same, that same old lustful spirit. What, 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 what Paul say? All that's in this, in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And these things is not of God. And so he says it's already in the world. That spirit is upon the land. And when we don't live right and, 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 and seek God and, and, and look to his word, that spirit is out to get you and I.
is out to get you and I. And none of us is exempted because all of us are made out of the same thing. It doesn't matter what title you have. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you married to, where you live at, what church you go to, and who's your pastor. Those spirits are real and they're strong. And if we don't mortify, Paul said in, in First Corinthians, we have to mortify the, the, the deeds of our body. We have to mortify, which means crucify. That's why Paul said, "Look, I'm crucified to this world, and this world is crucified unto me." He said, "Though I live." Yet not I, but it's the Christ that lives within me. So, in other words, Paul is saying that what he do, he couldn't do it alone. He just he couldn't do it by himself. He couldn't live this life in his own flesh. We got to live this life in the in the spirit of God. That's why we need the word. The word, the Bible says, is spirit, and it is life. And so that's why we talk concerning the, the lesson the way we do, because we talk about life, everyday life. These things happen every day. It might be happening in your house. It might be happening in somebody's house who's listening to this to this broadcast. Somebody that's in the stuff. It could be happening in your house and you don't even know it. Because this was about to happen. David don't even know that it's going on. Why? Because only God knows our heart. This stuff is in is in Amnon's heart. He said he loved her. And it's a strange thing that love and lust have to obey partners. They're very closely related. Love suffers long. Lust only lasts for a moment. And so we're going to see how much Amnon loved Tamar, Absalom's sister. And she was fair, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. You know, if you love somebody, you're not going to go out to hurt them or disrespect them or do something dirty to them if you if you, if you you genuinely love them. You're going to respect their feelings. You're going to respect, you know, what you do. You can con- you're going to consider. But when, see, when you're in lust, it's something like faith. When fear comes in, faith leaves. When faith comes in, fear leaves. Two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. So when lust comes in, love leaves. But when you really genuinely love, then lust have no part or no place. Look at verse 2 say, And now that was so vexed, this thing vexed him. This thing got down into his spirit. You know, your, your, your mind or your body don't get vexed. It's your spirit that gets vexed. And Amnon was, was so vexed that he felt sick for his sister Tamar. This thing really got to him. But once the devil puts something in your mind and in your spirit, boy, it's hard. Look, look, what, look what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you draw nigh unto God and resist the devil, he'll flee. But Amnon wasn't close to God. Amnon wasn't close to God. Amnon was living off of his daddy's reputation. You know, he was a prince in the king's palace. He had people waiting on him. And a lot of times, you know, we'd be trying to get to get a lot of money. We'd be trying to get uh, positions on jobs and stuff. But a lot of times when you get, when we get that kind of stuff, it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. Because we don't get as close to God when we have a lot 
then we get close to God when we don't have. I remember, you know, looking looking back at our history when we were in slavery. You know, we looked out for one another. We had compassion for one another. But the slave master beat us and, and raped our mothers and our sisters and sold our siblings to, to another master or whatever. We had compassion for one another. But as soon as we came out and we began to get our own stuff, we began to drift apart. We didn't have the compassion and the feeling for one another. That now in this 21st century, we're killing up one another more than the slave master ever killed us. Why? Because we was a product that brought money to him. We was almost like an industry. And so he let us breathe so we can get more children that he didn't have to go to the slave block and buy. He automatically owned them once they came into the world, and so he breathed us like animals. And Amnon was so vexed that he felt sick for his sister Tamar. That's, that's, that's not no spirit of God, thing. Eh? Be raised in a godly home, supposedly a godly home. Before David done this thing, David was, was very close to God. The Bible said that David was a man after God's own heart. But what happens to us? Oh, well, I'm not going to raise my child like that. You know, they're young. They got to have their fun. And so we don't expose them to God. We don't expose them to Christianity and holiness. We let them go out there and explore the world. And look what the world does to them. This is what the world do to our children. Put this kind of stuff in their mind and in their heart. And he felt sick for his sister Tamar. And that's really getting it bad. That's when you really got it bad, that, that you want something so bad that it vexed your spirit that it made you sick. But she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. He's sick with lust. But yet something on the inside is telling him, don't do this thing. He thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Isn't that something? How can you be sick with lust? Isn't it what Paul said in the book of Romans? He said the, the flesh war against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. He was sick for lust, but yet something told him that it's too hard for him to do anything to her. <clears throat> I remember I was I was at work and I saw this sign where it said that this this uh Indian chief had two sons. And he was explaining to them Godly things, but with a earthly, with a earthly meaning that had spiritual, that had a spiritual understanding to it. And he said that in every man, there's two wolves. And so one of the, one of his grandsons said, "Well, well, grandfather," he said, "Then how do you know which wolf will win on the inside of the man?" He said, "The wolf 
that will win is the one that you feed the most. Now, on this big billboard, they had where the wolf that they were feeding was hatred, bitterness, lust, uh, uh, murder, adultery, idolatry. And on the other side of the billboard, the other wolf was love, joy, peace, happiness. You know, in the book of Galatians, talk about the fruits of the spirit and the, and, the, and the fruits of the flesh, the works of the flesh. And so this is what, what, what what's going on here. The spirit is warring against the flesh, and the flesh is against the spirit. I want it, but, but something is telling me that I shouldn't do this thing. This is all for me to, to conceive me doing. I, I, I shouldn't be doing that, even thinking of, of doing anything like this. But we're going to see what wolf going to win this battle. The thing about it that was fighting him the hardest was the fact that she was a fine sister. She was very fair to look upon. And on top of that, she was a virgin. Nobody never had touched her. And she was right there for, for the taking. And he was sick in his spirit. He was vexed with this thing. When something vexes your spirit, that means that you know within yourself right from wrong and that this thing is not right for me to be doing or for me to even be thinking this way. And you're battling with this, backwards and forwards. You don't have no peace or no rest with this thing. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Now, check this out. Check this out. Now, while he's battling with this, while he's battling within himself with this, and knowing within himself that it's, a, that it's hard for him to do anything to his sister, he, he, he thought about this. He said, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But look, look, look where, where, where the conjunction comes in. This is where the fork in the road comes in at. That's where a lot of people make the wrong choice. What road are you going to take when you come to a fork in the road? But look what, how verse 3 starts off. It starts off with a, with a, with a conjunction, but. Amnon had a friend. I don't know why they called the boy his friend. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Sheba, David's brother. And Jonadab was a was a, was very subtile was a very subtile man. That's the same thing they said about about the serpent in the garden when Eve was was deceived by him. That the serpent was very subtile. Now we see this word again, so we know that there ain't nothing good going to come about this. Now, the thing about it, the Bible called him a friend, but actually he's the first cousin. They are first cousins. This is David, David's nephew, David's brother's son, first cousins. And now Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son, the son of Shemir, David's brother. So that's his nephew. 
And Jonadab was very sub, was a very subtile man. Whenever you see that word that concerning the individual, you know not, ain't nothing good going to come from it. That's deception, cunningness, trickery, anything you can name that's against the will of God, that's that individual. Every foul and evil that you can come up with, when you see when you see them talking about a person being subtile, you got to be careful with this with this joker, because they're so cunning and so slick. His words like butter. They're so smooth, and convince you to do something contrary to the will of God. And 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 now now it's already that he's already having a battle. When you already having a battle, why would you be with somebody that's gonna give you wrong advice? You already know it's, it's wrong because the Bible said here that he thought it was hard for him to do anything to her. But now he's gonna be pushed over the edge by what somebody who's called a friend gonna tell him. You got to be careful. How you choose your friends, baby. A lot of people is in the graveyard or either in penitentiary with somebody who had called themselves a friend. Now, they're still walking the street free. They're still six feet above the ground, where some people are six feet under the ground because of some advice they gave to a person that caused them to lose their life or either wind up in penitentiary the rest of their life, but yet they're still walking the street free. Because you took this person under your wing and you called them a friend. Now, now if this is a friend, a friend going to tell you right from wrong. The Bible says that a friend is born for adversity. So when you're in a situation where adversity arises, they're supposed to lead and guide you in the right way. He's supposed to be there to support and help you through this thing. This boy ain't helping him. He's hurting him. You got to know the difference of help and hurt. Both of them start with an H. But they're total opposite of each other. Old folks used to say, if you can't say nothing good to an individual, don't say nothing. Don't pour salt into the wound. This boy is already vexed. This flesh is already rising. He already have it in his in his heart that he wants this girl. Every day he sees all this thing getting getting worse and worse. That's how people go out and commit crime because every day they think about it, they look at it. The Bible says when a man is drawn away and enticed, he's drawn away by his own lust, and when lust is conceived. It brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. He's already in a battle. Now he's hanging out with the wrong person. That's going to give him some wrong advice. And sooner or later, it's going to cost him his life. A lot of people we know have gone off the scene. It's gone because they took 
wrong advice from somebody who has called themselves a friend. And if you and if you and if you look at it, if you pay attention, most of the people that didn't kill on our streets and our communities in every city, it's always being done by somebody that had called themselves a friend. If they didn't do it, they called somebody else to do it. Somebody close. Some girls, some mothers who've been raped, molested, and taken advantage of. It's been done by somebody who's close. A family member, a brother, a sister, or ain't an uncle, <clears throat> then molested a child and took the innocence away from them, and they got to live with this the rest of their life. And you got some people living in torment, even today, from a childhood till today, they're still living with this scar. Damage from a child. And Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shema, David's brother. Jonadab was a was a very subtle man. That's the devil in disguise. And he said unto him, Why art thou being the king's son, leaning from day to day? In other words, going backwards and forward with this thing. Why are you leaning from one thing to another? One day you want this girl, another day you say, I shouldn't be doing nothing to her. Why are you leaning backwards and forward with this thing, man? You're the king's son. You got all kind of power. You got all kind of authority. You can do whatever you want. You're the king's son. Who's going to do something to you? This is the kind of stuff that he's pointing to him. Paraphrasing about what this scripture, what this verse of scripture here is saying. Why are you leaning with this thing? Why are you going backwards and forth? When you lean, that means that you're leaning from one side to the other. That's what you hear in the court of law when the jury is out. Well, well which way do you think they're going to lean? The prosecutor said, well, well, we didn't give the evidence that we didn't give in the case. I, 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 I'll assume that they're leaning to our side, that they're going to come back with a guilty verdict. Then you see the the the, the uh the attorney uh, for the for the defendant, you know, well, well, uh, they did well. The, the prosecutor, they 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 didn't uh, present a good case, and I believe that they they have a shadow of a doubt here, so that I think they it could be it could go either way. And so this is what's happened here. Is he, he asked him, why are you leaning back and forth? Why are you going back and forth with yourself with this? You the king, son. You make this decision. You the judge, the jury, and the executioner. You don't have to go to nobody and ask nobody anything. You got the power and authority of a prince. You're the king, son. Would thou not tell me? And thou not said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Old folks used to say you, you have to weigh your words. You have to watch what come out your mouth. The Bible says that the tongue is a world of evil, that it can set a whole world on fire. You can take a big old ship and turn it to and fro by its helm. You can take a, a bit and put in a horse mouth and turn it to and fro. But the, but, a, but the tongue can no man tame. Now, it wasn't until he really came out of his mouth and said what he was leaning, going back and forward with, what was vexing him and what was bothering him, then he came out and said it. 
out of your mouth proceed blessings and curses. And so what he done done, he didn't curse himself by telling the, the devil what's on his mind, what he's fighting with, what he's leaning with. This boy was a very subtle person. And so now he didn't guide him to the point that he didn't told him what he's wrestling with backwards and forward. It wasn't until Eve had a conversation with the devil that he convinced her to eat from the tree. And he told her, no, God didn't say this. God meant that if you if you ate from the tree, you'd be just like God. She was already vexed with this thing, going back and forth with it from day to day, talking with the devil. And this is the same thing that's happening here. When they talk about this person was very subtle, that means that he's very cunning very persuasive. Talk sweetness out of sugar. And so he tells him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Now, she wasn't his sister by the same mother, but she was his sister by the father. But he don't call her his sister. He calls her Absalom's sister. Because to look at her as a relative is really to go against his belief of what's been taught to him from a child. Verse 5 says, And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed. Now, now look, look, who's plot, look who's coming up with the plot and the plan here to deceive this girl to rape her. Jonathan said, because Amnon had no plan, because he was wrestling with this thing, to try and keep himself from doing what was what was on his mind. And so now when he tells the devil what's on his mind and what he's wrestling with, now what he does, he convinces him to go forward with this thing, man. You can get away with this. You can get away with this. Jonathan said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, and say, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come, give me meat, and bless the meat in my sight, that I may eat it, and eat it at her hand. Now, This is where family comes in, and family plays such an important part. They normally would sit at the table, and all of them eat together at the table as family, as one. But now, Jonadab is saying to him, don't go in there in the chamber and eat with the family. Make yourself sick. Don't, don't go out to, to supper today. Make yourself sick so when your father come and call everybody to eat, this is what he's saying here. When your father come to see you and call everybody, tell them it's time to come to, to, to supper, you know, family gathering, tell them you're sick. Tell them to send your sister. 
to come in and, 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 and make some food for you at your own house. Don't go over to the palace today to eat with your father and the rest of your siblings. Tell them you're sick so, that, so they can send your sister to you to come and see about you. Now, undoubtedly, Tamar was a godly person. She was, it already describes her as a virgin. So she believed in keeping the law. She believed in keeping herself pure for God and for the husband that God would give her. And so, undoubtedly, she must love family because the love, God is the love family. And so now they're going to use her godliness against her to entice her to come to his house under, under deception so he can do to her what's really in his heart. That's how people children get snatched. People come under the under disguise of, of deception and play like they're selling ice cream or, or they, they have a candy truck or they're selling zuzus at the house and get your child in the house and they molest them. And you're wondering why they wet in the bed or why this is going on and why the child don't want to eat. And come to find out, the person who lives next door to you or down the street from you, who you, you sent to go buy you a soft drink or a bag of potato chips or some candy, they just took advantage of your child. The devil is very cunning. He has everything that you think that you want to entice you to come into his chamber. Look at the plot. And it's not Amnon who's plotting this. It's his first cousin, who the Bible calls him a friend. is laying out a plot for him to sin against God and to destroy his sister's life. I remember when I was coming up, I forget who the artist was. They used to sing this song, Don't Call Me Brother unless you really mean it. Backstabbing, and you're skinning, and you're grinning, and you're, and you're conniving. When you really, when you really hate this, I forget how this song went, but it's, it has some of those words to it. This is what the devil does. He's skinning, grinning, and call your brother to, let you, to get you to put your guard down so he can strike. That's where the snake is. You're walking through the grass, or you go outside to feed the dog, and the snake is in the grass, and you don't even see him. And as soon as you lean down, he strikes. As soon as you let your guard down. So Jonadab, he's setting the plot. He said the plot for him. Now, do you realize that if somebody calls you a friend or a relative of yours, why should they try and, and 
help you to make a plot to go out and do evil. That person don't care nothing about you. I don't care how closely related y'all may be by blood or how how long y'all been running together. Y'all so close, y'all thicker than thieves. A person who tells you and helps you to plot up to do wrong, something wrong with that relationship. They're jealous of you, envy of you what you have, they want what you got. They don't they're really underneath they may not even like you. And they're only getting close to you so they can try and deceive you and destroy your life. There's a lot of people that try and get close to people for ulterior motives. And so we got to be careful who tries to get close to us and what's the reason why you want to be my friend or be so close to me and 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 tell me so much about somebody else. All a person want to do is just tell you to see what it is that you like to hear so they get you interested in it so then they can use that against you. And so Jonadab tells Amnon, go lay down on your bed. Make yourself sick. Feel like you're sick. And when your father comes to see you, say unto him, I pray. Another words they use, godly words, pray. I pray to let my sister Tamar come. Not 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 the servants. Now that's what they're that's what they're they're there for. To serve you. You don't want the servants to come. Send my sister. Send Tamar. Let Tamar come and give me meat. Let her come and dress it in my sight. Why 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 all of this that you she has to be so close to you? Why do she have to come to your chamber and do all of this? The service has already cooked a big family meal. We can send you some food. No, no. I, I want Tamar to come and dress up real nice for me. That should set up a red flag right there. When somebody is, is expressing one particular individual. Why does it have to be that particular individual? Well, we got servants to wait on us and input. <coughs> we got servants that wait on us hand input. We don't have to cook our own meals. We got cooks to cook for us. We don't have to make our beds. We got people to make up our beds. We don't even have to put up our own clothes. We got servants to do all of these things for us. But here you want your sister to come and do this. What's up with this? It's time for the family gathering. Tamar needs to be over at the, at, the, at the palace to gather with the rest of the family. But he's playing the role of being sick. You know, sometimes saints... You hear people say sometimes we can love our children too much. To the point that we give them things that they really don't need. We can't buy their love. We got to live a life that they will respect us and love us because we are their parents. Bible said, children, honor that father and that mother. 
that your days may be long upon the earth, that your ways may be prosperous. God gives them an incentive to do what? To, to love and honor us. He said that your days may be long and that you may make your way what? Prosperous. He gives them an incentive to do this. So we don't have to bribe them to love us. God then gave his word for them to honor and obey and love us. If we, if you bring your child into this world and they don't respect and honor and love that enough, how could they honor and love anything that you give them? What's more important than life itself? And sometimes we try and buy our children love by giving them any and everything that they want. We, it's hard for us to tell them no because they're going to pout. They're going to get mad. They're going to throw a tantrum. Before you know it, they come and tell you they're pregnant. Or you get a phone call that they're in jail because we didn't give them enough rope for them to hang themselves with. And now you and I, we got to go through this. We have to see about getting a lawyer to get them out of jail. And they spend all kinds of money and time running back and forth to court. And in the midst of all of that, they're ruining their name. So that when it comes time for them to have their own family, they're going to apply for a job or whatever, apply for school. All of that bad record and all of that stuff will come back up on them, to haunt them. And guess what they're going to come back to again? When they can't go and, get, and, and, and make a way for themselves, they're coming back to you and I. So why not how to live right now? So we won't have to go through all of this tomorrow. So we're going to end our lesson tonight in verse 5. And I pray that something we say is something we cover through these five verses of Scripture. Maybe an eye opening experience for all of us. But this is a this is a, a today's lesson for everybody. Because these things is is very prevalent in our society, even as I speak. This is going on. In somebody's house. Somebody's family. Right now as we speak, somebody's being deceived. Somebody's child is being molested. Somebody's son is being killed. Somebody's son is in is, is behind bars facing a murder charge. So I pray that the word has been a blessing to to one and all and, and and it is a blessing, you know, to hear these things. For us to make right and proper decisions. Get a hold on our family and our children. That's our greatest investment. And every inheritance that God had for the children of Israel, the devil was trying to take it. And he's having to stop. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's, that's, that's his most. Whenever you see any one of these entities in action or in place, the devil is at work. We're the New Life Ministries of Pastor Herman L. Evans.
We located 32822 State Highway 249 in Pinehurst, Texas. Our zip is 77362. Our email address is nwoflife2002 at yahoo.com. We'd be more glad to hear from you. That we'd be in a blessing to you in any kind of way. If it's something concerning life or the scriptures that you would like to ask, send, a, send it to us through our email. And, and we'll be more than glad to go through the scriptures with you so that we can clear up some, some things that you might uh, have a question about. So we thank God for you. Thank God for uh, everyone who called in. And we pray that God may bless and keep you until we meet again. If God don't come back for the church, I pray that we can gather together once again on next Tuesday night. And don't forget Sunday. At 4 o'clock, we have our live broadcast coming from our our church. May God bless you. May God keep you. This is our prayer. God bless you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.